Welcome to the ninth episode of the Bowed Up Podcast. My name's Albie and yes, I did say ninth. We are nearing the milestone of ten episodes on the podcast. So in advance, I thank you for sharing this podcast with as many people as you know. Let's get straight into it. I'm just going to say what the segments are for today. We'll start off with the weekly whack. Some big news in the last couple of weeks surrounding the cricketing world. Then we'll move on to predictions where obviously I'll predict something because it has predicting in the name. Then we'll move on to obscure rules. Obscure rules has had, has had a bit of a holiday recently because it is a bit of, it is a bit of a grind. Um, to find a rule and then convert it to the podcast. So we'll have a great rule for you in the third segment and then the final segment of the ninth episode will be What a Snag with the moment of the week. It is a different moment of the week, but I can assure you it's still an amazing feat of cricket. So let's get straight into it with the Weekly Whack. This is the Weekly Whack. Welcome to the Weekly Whack, the new segment on the Bowed Up Podcast. And let's get straight into it, shall we? If you didn't know, in Australia, we have the Australian Cricket Awards and there is two main accolades um, for the Men's and Women's Cricketer of the Year. Now, the Men's Cricketer um, of the Year medal is called the Allen Border Medal and the Women's Cricketer of the Year medal is called the Belinda Clark Medal. Mitchell Stark taking out the Allen Border Medal. He has had great form in all formats during this year and there was a bit of criticism of um, whether he should play in the test arena leading into the Ashes but um, that first ball against Rory Burns set the tone of his series 19 wickets a great average with the bat as well so great job Mitchell Stark he really deserves that accolade and Ash Gardner won the Belinda Clark medal she also deserved it two um oh, a half century at test level and always bowling well and batting well um, in every single format the women play. So great job for them. They both deserve those accolades. So congratulations to Mitchell Stark and Ash Gardner. Moving on, Heather Knight, the English captain, makes an astounding 168 not out in the women's Ashes test match. The Australians got 327 and set a big target for um, the Poms. And it was pretty obvious that one um, English player needed to step up and make 100. And Heather Knight was the player. She played all around the ground, off the front foot, back foot, wherever it was. She was extremely strong and played an amazing innings. But it didn't quite lead um, the English cricket team to victory. Um, it was ended up a draw. Um, and moving on to the next piece of news, Glenn Maxwell has hit the highest score in the history of the BBL with 154 not out of about 61 balls. And that led the Stars to make the highest score ever in the BBL of 2 for 273 of 20 overs, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um Obviously, they didn't lose. If they lost, that's just silly. Um, the Hobart Hurricanes managed to get 6 for 167, which is still a reasonably a good total in a normal match, but um, they still lost by 106 runs. Um, obviously, Glenn Maxwell was the player of the match, 154 not out of 64. Wherever it was, all the lap sweeps, reverse sweeps came out. Tons of fours, about 22 fours, I think. And hit a few great sixes. It was a great match to watch, a great innings to watch, and especially alongside Marcus Dornis, the former um, 
record holder. He got 75 not out of 31 balls. So both of them stru um, struck it around at 200 or above strike rate. So great job for them. Glenn Maxwell, the captain, um, couldn't lead his um, team to go into the finals. But it's good for him getting some form into the T20 internationals and also domestic um, games for um, Victoria as well so congratulations to them next on as a Perth Scorchers fan it makes me very excited to say this the Perth Scorchers have won their fourth BBL title out of 11 seasons they have there are the champions of BBL 11 with Laurie Evans man of the match with 76 not out he played an amazing innings one of his shots was one of the best shots I've ever seen he played a cover drive in the air for six runs. It was 88 metres. It was an amazing shot. Please go and see it wherever you can. Just type in Laurie Evans, um, amazing six, and it will probably come up because it was absolutely an amazing six. And also Ashton Turner, the captain of the Perth Scorchers with 54 of 35 balls. Ashton Turner and Laurie Evans had an amazing partnership of about 100. And if it wasn't for Ashton Turner coming in and um, turning the strike over, improving the tempo, then um, the Scorchers wouldn't have a score like 171 to bowl to. They um, bowled uh, the Sixers out for 92 um, which is disappointing for the Sixers, but great for the Scorchers with um, Andrew Tyre with 3 for 15 of 3 overs. Great for him. He got 3 amazing wickets. One of them was an amazing catch by Curtis Patterson. Um, Dan Christian absolutely smashed one straight to him and diving front forward. It was an amazing catch. And also, um, Jai Richardson got 2 scalps of the Sydney Sixers lineup. Um got rid of the tail pretty quickly, 2 for 20 of 3.2 overs, and he had a blood nose at the end of the game because they were celebrating so hard. So congratulations to the Scorchers. It was an amazing game to watch, and as a Scorchers fan, I'm very excited for that. Moving on, if you didn't know, Australia's playing a 5 T20 international series against Sri Lanka, and this is the squad. Aaron Finch is the captain with Ashton Agar and Pat Cummins, is also included in the squad. Josh Hazelwood, Travis Head next. George Bailey said that Travis Head is phenomenal in the white ball format, and he is right. Uh, hopefully, Travis Head can bring some of that form that he had in the international test matches and bring it into the international T20s. So great to see him included in the uh, T20 squad again. And then Moses Honoricas, the captain of the Sydney Sixers, he's in some great touch, so hopefully we can see him whack them around the park if he gets a play. Then Josh Inglis, he will probably just be a backup wicketkeeper like he was in the T20 World Cup. He might get to play a game, we don't know, but Josh Inglis has been in some great form towards the end of the BBL, and he's an amazing wicketkeeper. So it'll be great to see him play. Then Ben McDermott with 577 runs um, during the BBL for the Hobart Hurricanes. Opened the batting, did bat in the middle order at the start, but Darcy, Short, um, Darcy Short's Run rate wasn't too great, so they moved uh, Ben McDermott up, and it really worked for the Hobart Hurricanes. They got into the finals pretty much off Ben McDermott's bat. Um, he was amazing for them, and hopefully he can convert that um, great form into the international arena. Next, Glenn Maxwell, also in great form with 200s in the BBL11 with 154 not out. 
Um, then next, Jai Richardson, also great form with the ball. Picked up 5 for 42 in the Adelaide, te- Adelaide Test match. And we saw towards the end of the BBL in the final and some of the semi-finals that he was also in great form and bowling really fast. So good to see him included in the squad. Kane Richardson, the T20 veteran included. Then Steve Smith with his unorthodox um, batting action. Mitchell Stark, Marcus Stoinis, Matthew Wade, the wicketkeeper, and then Adam Zampa, the main leg spinner. Uh, moving on, that was a bit of a mouthful saying all those names. And moving on, Justin Langer and Rayleigh Thompson have been inducted into the Australian Cricket Hall of Fame. Um, Justin Langer made 7,996 test runs, which is, um, if you look at a table of the most runs by a test cricketer for Australia, he is, he is up there. He's an amazing test cricketer. I saw something the other day that Justin Langer pretty much went out every single test match and thought, this is probably my last test match. But it didn't um, show that way. He played 105 test matches at about an average of 45. So great job, Justin Langer. You've been a role model for many um, young people. And also Rayleigh Thompson, who's been a role model for many young women. So great job to those players because they are amazing cricketers and should be um, shown throughout the world because they are very good. And moving on, West Indies and England T20 International Series is equal at two all and has to come down to the last game to decide the series. In the fourth T20 International, Moeen Ali was the filling captain for the side. And it paid off. He um, got 63 off about 30-odd balls. He had an all-round performance, picked up two wickets as well. He played exceptionally well. It was obvious he didn't want to run Moen Ali because he hit seven sixes and one four in his innings of about 67. So great job to the um, to the Poms and the West Indies. So hopefully we can see that match. And in the next podcast, well, you can find out whether um, who won that series because it's coming down to the wire with that series. Now, that's all we have time for today on the Bailed Up Podcast. No, no not the Bailed Up Podcast. We've still got three segments for you um, just on the Weekly Wax. So that's all we have on the Weekly Wax. And on to the next segment. Time to predict with predictions. Welcome to predictions where obviously I predict something today on the Bailed Up podcast and on predictions especially because this segment is predictions. We'll be predicting what the first one day international team will be for um, the first one day international in the women's ashes. Um, it comes down to the um, ODIs for the women's ashes uh, with the series 6-4, Australia's lead, Australia leading it after a draw in the, the middle test match. So let's get straight into it. I think that Rachel Haynes should open alongside Alyssa Healy. Alyssa Healy still taking the gloves. She was very clean behind the stumps, uh, in my opinion, um, in the test match very well. Um, she didn't bat too well. Alyssa Healy got out for two ducks by the same bowler, Catherine Brunt. But she's still opening alongside Rachel Haynes, still being included. Because she brings a lot of good chat to that Australian team. Next at first drop at number three, we've got Meg Lanning, the captain. The, ta- the test match with the was the 150th time she has represented Australia as the captain. And she's still fighting strong with 93 um, against... 
um, England in the test match in the first batting innings. She played exceptionally well. Didn't quite get to that maiden test 100, but did very well to fight for her 93 with shots all the way around the ground and built a good partnership with Rachel Haynes to get Australia to a good total. Next, Elise Perry. A bit of talk whether she should play in the T20 internationals at the start of the Women's Ashes. She didn't play in the uh, the T20 internationals because they said uh, her strike rate wasn't high enough. But I think her strike rate is high enough for the one-day internationals. She um, ha- made 100 for Victoria in the WNCL, the domestic women's one-day um, competition. She got 100 off 94 balls. It was very entertaining to um, to watch. I watched a few highlights. She absolutely smacked them. It was a great um, 100. So hopefully she can bring that form from the domestic um competition to the one-day internationals and next at number five i've got beth mooney a broken jaw doesn't matter for her um she's still on the liquid diet she's still eating soft food she's pretty much eating um custard and uh scrambled eggs is what she said on an interview on seven cricket that sounds pretty good for me because i like scrambled eggs and custard um so she'll be at number five tali mcgrath a great up-and-coming all-rounder one of the best in the world alongside elise perry she's been bowling and batting very well that india india series in about in september 2021 was her breakout um series and she played extraordinarily well in uh, for the Adelaide Strikers as the captain in the WBBL as well. So hopefully she can bring that form into the one-day internationals in the women's ashes. Next, I've got Ash Gardner, the batting all-rounder. She also bowls some off-spin and has been in great form with the ball, I must say. Um, she's been saying she's got some tips off, tips off Nathan Lyon. So um, that's been doing well for her because she has got a few wickets in test matches and... Um, what they've played during the summer as well. Next, I've got Jess Johnson. She can bowl. Uh, she can bat, obviously, and bowl. She's a very good bowler and one of the best spin bowlers in the world, in my opinion. She can hold a bat too. That's why she's at number eight. Next, I've got Alana King. In the two games I've seen her play for Australia, she's bowled very well. Nearly led Australia to victory in the Test match um, a few hours ago. She bowled very well. Um, got a run out she didn't get the run out Alyssa Healy did but she was the one that caught the ball and hit the stumps so she was very composed she was bowling very well and she brings a lot of positive energy to that um Australia team so I think she should make her one day international debut for Australia there and then next I've got Darcy Brown the young 18 year old quick she's been bowling pretty fast and she's been bowling very well picked up a few wickets in the test match um and I still think she should be included because she's bowling extremely well. Uh, Megan Shute, she was left out of the test match, but I think she should return back to the One Day International Arena. She's been playing very well in the ODIs and just in cricket in general, and I think she should return back for the One Day Internationals to hoop that ball around the England batters and hit the stumps, hopefully. So that's all we have for the um, the predictions for today. From 1 to 11, we've got that first ODI team for Australia. Now, hopefully that's what it looks like because, in my opinion, that's a very strong team. Now, that's all we have time for today on predictions. On to the next segment. What kind of rule is that? This is obscure rules. 
Welcome to the third segment for today's episode of the Bowed Up Podcast, which is Obscure Rules. Now, if you've been tuning in to the Bowed Up Podcast recently, you've noticed that there haven't been as many um, features of Obscure Rules. That's because it's hard to find an unknown rule in the game of cricket. So let's get straight into it. This happened today, this rule, but we'll get into that later in the segment. So... We all know as cricket fans, cricket supporters, cricket players even, that um, the bowler's foot, male or female, has to be behind the line to be not deemed no ball. If the bowler's foot is over the um, the um, over the line or no part of the heel makes contact before the line um, prior to their foot landing then it's deemed a no ball so if any part of their heel makes contact with the pitch before um they the foot goes full down and then they um commence their follow-through many big words in this segment um then it's deemed not a no ball because they still make contact with behind the line but if they don't make contact with behind the line then it's deemed a no ball and another way for a no ball to be um deemed a no ball is also um over waist height from of the batter um so those are the two ways to for a no ball but you many of you probably didn't know there's actually another way for a no ball we all know that there's um about five lines in a cricket pitch but there's two actually there's four main ones there's one line that the cricket um cricket players the bowler their foot lands on before they follow through on the pitch where this a non-striker also puts their button to um follow when they um are non-striking so they can maybe get a run on the ball um there's also a line um in line with the stumps these are all part of the pop increase and then the uh, there's two other wide lines um to show the edge of the pitch now these two lines on the edge of the pitch actually aren't um just to show the edge of the pitch they're actually to show um one way of a no ball as well so this part of a no ball is if the player's foot is over that line when in their delivery stride or just bowling at all, any part of bowling where their foot goes outside that line, makes contact with outside the pitch, then it's deemed a no ball, which is very good because they're making contact with something that isn't the pitch. And the whole point of um, being the bowler is that you're meant to stay on the pitch. So if any part of the bowler's foot goes over that white line um, and makes contact with um, the edge of the pitch or off off the pitch, then it's deemed a no ball. But if it's still on the white line and doesn't go over that um, that white line onto the off the pitch, then it's still deemed um, a normal ball or um, just, yeah, just a normal ball. Um, this happened in the instant as today. In the fifth um, Ashes, no, not the fifth Ashes test match, <laughs> the uh, one-off women's test match, Alana King was bowling around the wicket. It was a wicket ball. Um, Charlie Dean, Sky one in the air. Alyssa Healy with a simple catch. She nearly stepped over that um, wide line on the edge of the pitch, but her foot was just on the white line, and in no circumstances during her... Um, delivery stride or a bowling action did her foot make contact with the edge of that line or over that um white line to um, make contact with off the pitch now that's pretty um pretty straightforward with that obscure rule for today and that's all we have time for today on obscure rules on to the next segment what a snag the moment of the week
Welcome to Water Snag, which is the fourth and final segment for today's episode of the Bowed Up Podcast. Now, there has been many contenders for the Water Snag um, segment for today. Obviously, um, Melbourne stars Glenn Maxwell with his 154 not out. It was amazing. 154 not out off 64 balls. So that was a contender because um, that was one innings. But a true one I saw was Beth Mooney. If you didn't know, haven't been following the Women's Ashes, I advise you to because it's coming down to the wire. It's getting very exciting. Um, Beth Mooney got struck in the jaw um, prior to the three T20s by coach Matthew Mott. She tried to duck a short ball that wasn't short enough to duck and got hit right in the jaw. It split her chin. It wasn't the greatest sight. Um, it was pretty gruesome, to be quite honest. And... Um, she didn't look in great condition, was on a liquid diet, had surgery and three plates in her jaw. Um, but Beth Mooney, she is very tough. She got herself ready for the test, said, I'm playing, put her hand up for selection and got selected at number three. In the first inning, she didn't offer much. She got three off three balls. Um, but then she took a very good catch at second slip, very um, kneeling down, took it um, right in front of her leg, and it was a great catch. Um, with the broken jaw, commentators were saying, it doesn't matter for Beth Mooney, she's very tough. It doesn't matter if she has a broken jaw and a broken arm. It um, just matters she's fighting for a country. So it was great to see her fighting for a country, showed a lot of um, toughness. Um, for the Australians, showed the Australian spirit and showed to England, I'm here for the fight. Um, and she especially showed that in the uh, Australia's second batting innings, she got 63. She um, unfortunately got out, but it was an amazing innings from her to do that with a broken jaw. It was amazing, showed a lot of um, resilience and toughness. That's not a word, but I'm just going to say it anyway. And then in the um, final innings of the game on the fourth day, she also took an amazing catch, one of the best catches of 2022 in my opinion. Even though it's only January, it was pretty close to the best. Um, jumping forward, rolling, made sure to keep a jaw out of the way, but to do to jump forwards and dive and roll on a catch like that in the outfield was pretty brave of her with the broken jaw, especially that she's still on a liquid diet and still eating soft foods. She's pretty much just on a diet of custard and scrambled eggs. So, um, great to fight for your country, Beth Mooney. Great job. And that's all we have time for today on a water snag. I couldn't give you any audio this um, segment because if I did have to give you audio, it would be about three days worth. So that wouldn't be very exciting because this then this podcast will be about 20 hours long and that's not what I want from a podcast. So that's all we have time for today on the water snag segment. On to the outro. Thank you for listening to the ninth episode of the Bailed Up Podcast. Now, I take a lot of enjoyment out of making these podcasts, and hopefully you, the listener, took a lot of enjoyment out of listening to it. And to make sure more people take enjoyment out of this podcast, share it with as many people as you know, so then I can take satisfaction from a good work done. So make sure to share this podcast with as many people as possible so we get more downloads and listens on the podcast. So that's all from me today in the Bowed Up Podcast. I'll be out.